Well, what is the Australian dream? Uh, a number of years ago, City Bible Forum, uh, one of the Christian groups that runs uh, in the Sydney CBD, uh, ran a number of talks where they asked this question. Uh, what do Australians desire most in life? Uh, I think at the time there was a bit of social research uh, that showed that most Aussies wanted the dream house, uh, the dream car, and the dream annual holiday. Uh, that was the goal of life that was the goal of life uh, that was to be reached. Uh, that was what they worked for, uh, that was what they uh, studied for, and that was what everything in life was all about. And so I think uh, the, the research kind of summarised the Australian dream as uh, the house, the Holden, and the holiday. Uh, now, I think things have changed slightly over the past few years since the research was done, uh, not least of all that no one really wants to drive a Holden anymore. Uh, but I think the essence of what uh, the research showed us is uh, the same today as it was back then. Uh, you see, um, we all have this picture of the kind of lifestyle that we want to live. Uh, we, we imagine the perfect house, the, the perfect car, the perfect life, and then uh, we go about making decisions to help us reach that lifestyle. Uh, the degree that we study, uh, the job that we get, uh, the way that we work, even sometimes the company that we keep, uh, it's all done to get us to this goal. And so uh, wise living in the world then just becomes whatever helps you get to that kind of lifestyle. Uh, whatever it takes to get there, that's uh, the way the wise and the good life is lived. So uh, now that's not at all surprising when you think about uh, the world around us. Uh, we are a, a highly materialistic society. And so it, it makes sense that uh, in our world, life becomes all about stuff. Uh, but what is surprising is that so many Christians today seem to have a very similar goal and dream for their own lives. Uh, we tend to think that wise living is also uh, about attaining the goal or the dream that we have for our life. Uh, we think that uh, whatever it takes to achieve that, that's what the wise and uh, fruitful life looks like. Uh, so now, friends, it's worth us asking the question, uh, should that be the case? Uh, for us who know the revealed plans of God, that's what we've been seeing in Ephesians so far, uh, can we simply live like the rest of the world? And if not, what should life look like for those who now know the Lord Jesus? Uh, what does wise living look like for God's people? Uh, well, that's the question that the Apostle Paul is answering for us in this part of his letter to the Ephesian Christians. Uh, Paul unpacks in these uh, six short verses uh, what wise Christian living looks like in light of everything that God has done for us in Christ. And so uh, as we study this part of God's word together this morning, uh, we might be a little bit surprised to see what God has to say about what wise Christian living looks like. Uh, and so in our passage today, uh, three times Paul uh, shows us what wise uh, living looks like in light of God's plans. Uh, he does that through his threefold repetition of the line, not this, but that. Uh, you can see it in verse 15 where he says, not unwise, but wise. Uh, then again in verse 17, not foolish, but understand. And then lastly, in verse 18, not drunk, but filled by the Spirit. Uh, those three contrasts uh, 
that Paul has put here uh, helps us to understand what it means to live wisely as God's people as opposed to living like the world. Uh, And I've actually used these three contrasts as kind of the three uh, main points for the sermon this morning. And so if you're following in the outline, we're at point number two, uh, not unwise, but wise. Uh, Let's pick up our passage of verse 15. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn with me there now? Ephesians 5, 15. Uh, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Uh, Well, friends, so far, Paul in this section of his letter has been talking particularly about the way that Christians live. Uh, He's been using the word to walk uh, as a way of talking about Christian living. Uh, For Paul, Christian walking is the same as Christian living. And so uh, in this new section of his letter that we're looking at, uh, Paul tells his readers to watch out and to be on the lookout for how they walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Uh, If you've been with us for the past few weeks, as we've been looking at Ephesians, you would have seen uh, that Paul has told us the different ways we're meant to walk. Uh, Back in chapter 4, he said that we're to walk worthy of our calling as Christians. Uh, In chapter 5, last week, uh, we heard that we're to walk in love as imitators of God, and we are to walk in the light. And now Paul tells us uh, that we are to walk uh, in wisdom. Uh, Now, I think verse 16 helps us to see uh, what Paul uh, means by this uh, phrase, walk in wisdom. He unpacks it for us there. Uh, And Paul tells us that wise living means using every opportunity to serve Jesus in the midst of evil days. Uh, You can see in verse 16 that Paul uses the phrase, make the best use of the time. The phrase uh, literally translates as redeeming or buying back the time. Uh, It's almost like marketplace language. It's kind of find the best deal, be the bargain hunter. Um, You are to buy and to barter your way uh, to have more time. Uh, It's a bit of an unusual phrase, but I think the rest of the verse helps us to understand uh, the reason for it and what uh, the full force of it is. Uh, You see, at the end of that verse, Paul tells us the reason why we are to uh, make the best of 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 every opportunity, uh, is because the days are evil. Uh, I think here, when he says the days are evil, Paul makes a distinction uh, between uh, the present world, uh, this present evil age, and the coming age when Jesus returns in glory. I think uh, throughout the letter in Ephesians so far, Paul has uh, shown us uh, what this present evil age is like. In chapter 2, Paul told us that these evil days are under the control of the prince of the power of the air, that is Satan. In chapter 4, Paul told us that the spiritual condition of people in these evil days is that they're darkened in their understandings, they're separated from God, and they have hard hearts towards their maker. And so you see, friends, the world of Paul's readers in our world today is a world that is opposed to God and to his purposes. Uh, These are the last days, the evil days, uh, that Paul speaks about. And it's in these last days that Paul calls on the Ephesian Christians to live differently. Uh, They were to live in those evil days, not joining the world in its revelry, but making the most of every opportunity to serve God. Uh, The Ephesians weren't meant to avoid those evil days. They weren't meant to isolate themselves off, but to live wisely in them. They were meant to be in the world, but not of the world. 
They were to take advantage of every opportunity uh, to live in a way that pleases God. And so again, we're seeing that wise living means using every opportunity to serve Jesus in the midst of evil days. And so uh, let me ask you, Church at Nine, how are we going at using every opportunity? Are we seeking to serve the Lord Jesus uh, in these last days that we're living in? Uh, Are we marked by an urgency that seeks to single-mindedly live for Christ? I think Huey alluded uh, to it before that we are uh, incredibly busy, uh, that there is much that occupies our time, uh, but it's worth us thinking, what are the things that occupy our time? Uh, Are we simply living like the world around us? I wonder if, rather than seeking every opportunity to serve Christ, are we instead seeking every opportunity to serve ourselves? I think many of us sometimes desire to have what we might call best of both worlds. We want to have a little bit of Christ, but we want to live like the world. We want to live to build up our careers and climb up the corporate ladder. We want to live making our families the be-all and end-all. And we live for our own fame and glory. And whatever else is left after that, that's what we give to God. But friends, can you see from this passage here in Ephesians 5 uh, that wise living cannot be like that. Wise living is an entire way of life that's shaped uh, by devotion to God. Uh, You see, we're to use every opportunity in order to serve Christ and not ourselves. And so perhaps for some of us here, it's about time we actually sat down and thought about how are we using our time? Are we using every opportunity uh, to progress at work or at home or wherever it is? Or are we using every opportunity to make Christ known and to serve his people? Uh, let's be thinking about how to, make every op- uh, to use every opportunity, whether it's here at church, uh, in our workplaces or at home. Let's take the words of uh, the Apostle Paul here seriously. Uh, Well, friends, Paul has told us so far that wise living means making the best use of the time to serve Christ. Uh, then, Then he continues in the passage to elaborate further on what wise living looks like. And so uh, if you've got your outlines, we're at point three, not foolish, but understand. So I'll read from verse 16. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Uh, Paul tells his readers to live wisely and not be foolish. Uh, I think, again, he's making that contrast. Uh, Foolishness is the trait of this present evil world. And instead, his readers are to live uh, by understanding the will of the Lord. Uh, Now, I think will of the Lord can be one of those phrases that can be a little bit tricky uh, people tend to read a lot uh, into, the, into that phrase and they create an entire way of thinking that says that you need to find out God's personal plans of guidance specific for your life. Uh, now, I think with any uh, tricky part of the Bible, uh, the answer is always in the text itself. Um, so the way to answer the question of what Paul means by will of the Lord is by thinking how has Paul used that language so far in Ephesians? And I think as we do this, we uh, see that Paul's priority is not so much uh, giving self-help uh, for the minutiae of our lives, but instead uh, talking about something much bigger and grander of what God is doing in the world. 
And so uh, if you look with me in chapter 1, all the way back in chapter 1, in the very first section of the letter, uh, Paul uses the language of God's will to describe all that God has done for us. Uh, God's will is choosing us before the foundations of the world to be his very own. Uh, God's will is redeeming us and adopting us into his family. Uh, The language of God's will is used also to describe uh, God's plan of uniting all things under the lordship and reign of Jesus. And I think all throughout the the first half of the letter, Paul keeps using that that term, the will uh, of God, to broadly speak of God's saving plan to bring all things into unity in Jesus. And so when Paul then speaks about understand the will of the Lord, uh, he is telling us to see God's big picture of what he is doing in the world in Christ. Uh, For Paul, wise living means understanding and living in light of God's ultimate goal for the universe. Now, that kind of makes sense, right? It's when we understand the end that God is bringing all things that we can know how to live wisely now. When we understand that God is about the business of of bringing men and women from all over the world to know Jesus as Lord, well, when we know that, we can direct our lives so that it's all about this same purpose. God's people are now to live with this plan of God in mind Uh, as we go about our lives. And so, friends, let me ask you, do you understand what is the will of the Lord? Uh, Now, by this, I don't mean um, do you intellectually know it. Uh, It's not a a question of repeating just a set of theological facts. Rather, I'm asking, has your life been changed uh, by God's big-picture plan of bringing all things under Christ? Has the priorities of your life been rearranged by it? Has the Lord's will completely reshaped the direction of our lives? I think it's something that we need to keep reflecting on throughout our Christian lives. Uh, It's a tough question to answer. Uh, It means sometimes there are things that we see in our lives that we actually need to, to stop. But Paul says that wise living is understanding God's will and living in light of it. Uh, Well, friends, so far, Paul has shown us that wise Christian living uh, is making the most of every opportunity as we uh, see God's will and purpose uh, shape the direction of our lives. And now Paul shows us in our passage the last aspect of what Christian living looks like, wise Christian living looks like. And so we're at point four in your outlines, uh, not drunk, but filled with the Spirit. Uh, Let's pick it up in verse 18. Verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Uh, Paul comes to his last description of wise living, and once again he compares how the world lives to how a Christian is to live. Uh, The world in all its foolishness lives in drunkenness, but Christians are to be filled by the Spirit. Uh, As Paul makes this comparison, uh, I think what he says is uh, true of his time uh, 2,000 years ago, but it's true and evident in our world today. Uh, Nobody is much more foolish than a drunk. Uh, His words are slurred. His actions are uncoordinated. uh, His thinking is confused. Uh, If you want to present a fool, we'll just take a look at a drunk. 
His foolishness is highlighted even more as he uh, loses his money, uh, he offends his friends, he destroys his marriage, he alienates his children and ruins both his body and his mind. Uh, You see, to be in perpetual drunkenness is to destroy your very being and all your relationships. And friends, uh, in light of uh, the destructiveness of drunkenness, Uh, And yet, even though it's so uh, evident in our world, um, our society actually refuses to do anything about it. Uh, I think every piece of social research that's done into uh, seeing the effects that the binge drinking and alcoholic culture of Australia, uh, all that research keeps showing us that it's uh, having detrimental impact on our country, particularly on our young people. And yet, nobody's willing to step up and to do anything about it. Uh, they, uh, the, the companies that, uh, that uh, have an influence in there actually uh, prevent any real change from happening. And so you can see that our world so loves the darkness that even when it's destroying it, it refuses to give it up. Uh, friends, I hope you can see that this is the way of the world, but it cannot be our way. I think the time is well past for Christians to be getting drunk. Our spirit is not the spirit of alcohol, but the spirit of the living God. Ours is to be a spirit of holiness. We're to stand out as children of light in the world. And so if this has been a problem for you in the past, if drunkenness is a vice for you, I implore you to to heed God's word here. Put away these deeds of darkness and walk in wisdom. As Paul says here, uh, let us be filled by the Spirit and not uh, filled with alcohol. Uh, I think uh, Paul's command here to be filled uh, is actually reminiscent of some of the things that Paul's already said in his letter. Uh, I'm not sure if you've picked it up by now, but uh, this section actually is a great summary of a lot of the things that Paul has already said. And so uh, the the language of being filled, Paul has already used that uh, back in chapter 3 when he prayed that the Ephesian Christians will be filled with all the fullness of God. Uh, Chapter 4, he used the same language when he said that he wanted uh, the Christians uh, in Ephesus to grow into maturity in Christ, into the fullness of Christ. And so you see, uh, God is, what Paul is saying is that God fills us in the Lord Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit. And so uh, here in chapter 5, when Paul says, be filled uh, with the Spirit, he's talking about growing into the fullness of Christ, uh, where to grow to become more and more like Jesus. And so uh, our last point then is that for Paul, wise Christian living means by the Spirit growing to become more and more like Jesus. Uh, Just like you can tell a person is a drunk from the way that they walk or talk or live, uh, so you can tell people are filled by the Spirit by the way they walk or talk or live. And I think verses 19 to 21 actually spells out in three different ways what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, Verse 19, if you want to look with me there now, verse 19 reads, uh, we should be addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So here Paul says the very first sign that you've been filled by the Spirit is that you will sing. Uh, It's a two-dimensional kind of singing. Uh, Firstly, it deals with uh, the kind of horizontal singing. We sing to one another. 
Uh, now, this might surprise you to hear that the Bible says that we are to actually sing to one another as though we're meant to serade, uh, serenade one another. Uh, but this is actually one of the marks of the Christian church. Uh, you see, we don't become Christians in isolation. Uh, we become part of a family in Christ. We seek to build each other up and to love one another. Uh, and we do this um, time to time as we sing to one another. Uh, in a few moments, we're actually going to be singing uh, together about how we can live together for the kingdom. Uh, what a wonderful way to put this verse into practice as we sing loudly so that we can encourage and build one another up. So that's the first dimension of what Paul says about our singing. We sing to one another. But if you see there also, we sing to the Lord. You see, our singing is aimed uh, also to God, for we are commanded to sing and make melody to the Lord with all our hearts. Uh, one of the things that Christians love to do is to sing songs that bring praises to God. Uh, we love to sing songs that display how glorious and majestic God is. And we also love to sing songs that display all that Christ has done for us. Uh, singing is such a beautiful way of expressing uh, how joyful we are in the Lord for all that he's done. And so Paul tells us that uh, singing is actually the first sign of being filled with the Spirit. Uh, the next thing he says is in verse 20. Uh, in verse 20 he says, We are to give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul shows us that Christians are to be those who are so filled with uh, joy uh, and gratitude uh, thanksgiving is to be the native language of every Christian because we have so much to be thankful for. You see, we are those who have been uh, saved from hell itself. Uh, we are those who have been brought near to God by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, no matter what difficulty and pain we go through, uh, we as Christians always have an endless number of reasons to be thankful. And so as we are thankful, we are shown to be filled by the Spirit. And lastly, friends, there you can see it in verse 21. Uh, Paul says that we should be submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Uh, I think, again, you can see that stark contrast that Paul makes between the ways of the world and the ways of the church. Uh, for those who do not follow the Lord Jesus, the word submission is a dirty word. Uh, our world tells us that we're not meant to submit to anybody. Yeah, we're not meant to bow the knee to anybody. Uh, where to be the captain of our own fates and the master of our own souls, uh, that is the kind of attitude that our world has. But friends, when you're filled by the Spirit to become more like Jesus, submission becomes a normal and delightful part of life. Uh, growing to become more like Jesus means growing to become like the one who submitted to his Father's will, even to the point of death on the cross. Uh, submission is uh, part of the family likeness. Uh, and I don't think it's a begrudging submission, as though we just grit our teeth and do it, but a joyful one. For we know that all authority has been put in place by God for our good. And so when we submit to one another, we're shown to be filled by the Spirit. And so those three points there, singing, thanksgiving, submitting, are all uh, showing us what it looks like to grow in Christ-likeness. And for Paul, wise Christian living means by the Spirit growing to become more and more like Jesus. Uh, well, friends, as we uh, get to the end of our time together now, um, I want to bring us back to the question that we asked uh, in the beginning. 
what does wise Christian living look like? Or uh, maybe to put it a little bit differently, what should the Christian, uh, what should be the Christian dream? Uh, we've seen what the Australian dream is. What should the Christian dream be? Uh, we've heard the answer today from God's word, uh, but I want to see. I want us to see the answer uh, from the life of a Christian man as well. Uh, his name is Charles Thomas Studd. I think his photo is behind me. Yeah. Uh, so C.T. Studd was a famous English cricketer who played uh, for the English team in the very first Ashes match in 1882. Uh, he was a talented athlete. I think he was only 22 years old when he played in that first match. He had a long and promising career ahead of him. Uh, he had everything that most people in the world would want. Uh, he had fame, glory, wealth. Uh, he had the kind of life that most people uh, spend their lives trying to achieve. He was living the dream. Uh, but in an unprecedented move, Stud chose to leave behind his lucrative cricket career at the age of 24. Instead, he chose to take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the lost peoples in China. Uh, he went to China and helped Hudson Taylor as they uh, spent the next 15 to 20 years uh, being a missionary there, reaching the people. Uh, afterwards, he only left China in order to take the gospel to India, where he then spent the next decade preaching the gospel to people who did not know Jesus there. And then after yet another decade, Stud went to Africa to preach the gospel where he died at the age of 70. Uh, when asked... Uh, Stud, when someone asked Stud how he had come to the decision to leave everything else behind, he replied with the following. What is all the fame and the flattery worth when a man comes to face with eternity? Uh, he continued, I know that cricket would not last and honour would not last and nothing in this world would last, but it was worthwhile living for the world to come. Uh, friends, it's clear from uh, C.T. Studd's life that he knew what wise Christian living was all about. You see, he chose to use every opportunity to serve the Lord Jesus. Uh, his life was shaped by understanding the will of the Lord. He saw what God was doing in the world, bringing men and women out of darkness into the light of Christ. And so he shaped his life around that mission. And Studd grew in Christ's likeness as he gave up his entire life for the sake of the lost in China and India and Africa. And so, friends, uh, let, me, let me end our time together by asking the question, what about us? Now, not all of us are called to be missionaries in, in Africa, but all of us are called to live differently. Uh, every Christian is called to live in wisdom. And so how will we live different to the world around us? How will our lives be shaped by God's plans? Friends, how will we walk in wisdom in the Christian life? Uh, why don't we continue to discuss these things together over morning tea, but let me uh, pray for us now. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how powerful and how true it is. And thank you that it reveals uh, the deepest and most painful parts of ourselves at times. Uh, Father, we've seen today what wise Christian living looks like. Uh, we pray that um, we might heed these words, uh, that we might be those who are not foolish, uh, but who understand your will, 
who are not unwise but walk in wisdom and who are not filled in drunkenness like the world but filled with your spirit. Father, please help us to live our lives in light of all that you are doing in this world. Help us to think this week about how we can be uh, making the best use of every opportunity and help us, Father, to live ever more single-mindedly for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.